Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. Welcome into the overflow. Here we go. We're getting after it again. Learning how to run God's race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him has endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, pushing in. Man, the the uh, the reason for overflow is to confront lifeless teaching that keeps us away from running the race. Lifeless teaching that keeps us away from experiencing the fullness of life that God our Father intends us to have that Jesus died on the cross for us to be able to enjoy resurrected seat at the right hand of the Father. Uh, the life that the Spirit of the living God wants to generate in us as the generator of the new life that we have for those of us who are born again. And so we press in to all these different topics that the Lord leads us to cover uh, with an angle on how do we how do we live in the overflow? What does it look like to live in the overflow of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? And we certainly, as we come to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, we're, we land in here uh, because God, our Father, has a race for us to run. It's powerful. We've got to push into that. But then also the word trexo, our ministry, trexo. The word trexo comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, 1, where the author of Hebrews says, let us run with endurance the race marked out for us. That word, let us run, in the Greek is the word trexo. So we want to trexo the race. We want to trexo the race that, that God, our Father, has set before us. And so Let's press in today. This is part two of a who knows how long series. Part two of, of um, uh, what does it look like? Last week was that you got our, God has a race for you to run. And so now let's let's kind of pick the part. Let's pick this apart a little bit in, in, in this direction. Everybody in their lives has guys and girls, guys and gals. Go to guys and gals in their lives that they look to for wisdom and inspiration and all or some areas of our lives, every single one of us do. You got a finance person you like to follow. You have a fitness guru that's your go-to person. You have a diet person that you follow. You have a career person that you emulate or several career people that you emulate. Now you have somebody in your life that's a motivator, that, that's a stick their foot in your backside kind of person who motivates and inspires you, every single one of us. So who are your guys and who are your gals? Who are your go-to people? People have go-to podcasts. People have go-to playlists. People have go-to everything. Uh, who is your guy or your gal? Who is it? Um, one of the things we see in, in this, it's going to jump out in Hebrews 12 in, or the, the book of Hebrews in a crazy way. But one of the things we understand is that whoever your guy or gal is determines, determines whose race you are running. Yikes. Whoever your guy is, whoever your gal is, whoever your go-to person is determines the race that you're going to run. And so, you know, if your guy is a CrossFit guy, then you're going to run the CrossFit race. If your guy is an F3 guy or girl, well, there are no girls. Maybe they're girls. A guy is F3, then it's going to be an F3 race. If your guy is a Warren Buffett, then you're going to run the the Warren Buffett race. Uh, whoever your guy is, whoever you look to as your go-to people, they determine 
the race that you are going to run. Now watch this. The author of Hebrews knows, the author of the book of Hebrews knows the power and necessity of having a guy. Your race has got to be anchored to someone or even potentially to something. If it's not to someone, it might even be to an idea. Um, but your race has got to be anchored. And the author of Hebrews knows this. They, he knows the power and necessity of anchoring your race to somebody. So before he challenges his audience and thousands of years later challenges us to run God's race in chapter 12, uh, our primary verse is Hebrews chapter 12, which means there's 11 chapters of the book of Hebrews that come before it. Before he challenges to run the race, uh, God's race in chapter 12, he spends the first 10 chapters, Hebrews chapter 1 to Hebrews chapter 10, establishing his guy. 10 chapters establishing his guy. He's going to lay out a beautiful, thorough case for why his guy is the guy of all guys. So we see the structure of Hebrews. 10 chapters establishing uh, his guy's credibility. One chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, giving us 17 testimonies for people who have run this guy's race. So here's the guy, 1 to 10. Here's 17 people who've run his race, Hebrews chapter 11. And then chapter 12, uh, challenging us, challenging the next generation to fall in line to run the race, to run to run the, the, to run your race. So I want you to see that establishing your guy is that important to running your race. Lock, stock, and barrel, anchor sunk, undeniable, all in. You got to establish your guy if you're going to run for whatever race it is that you're running. So for 10 chapters, the author of Hebrews labors to prove that the guy that he follows is the guy of guys, the only one to whom all of humanity should look. And surprise, surprise, the guy of guys is Jesus. Jesus. The, the author doesn't present Jesus as uh, one of several guys in your life, one guy for one area of your life, as an arrow in your quiver of a whole bunch of other guys. Uh, the author of Hebrews presents Jesus as the one and only guy for all of life, for all people. Ten chapters. I'm going to keep coming back to this. Ten chapters. He locks Jesus down. The author of Hebrews locks Jesus down as the guy of guys for his audience. And then springboards from that, Hebrews chapter 12. Now run, establish him as your guy. Now run with perseverance. The race marked out for you, fixing your eyes on Jesus. But I got to go through 10 chapters. I got to go through 10 chapters of, of validating uh, uh, the, the veracity, validating the Jesus being the king of the hill in your heart, on the throne of your life. Consider these passages from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, where the author is talking all of this stuff about Jesus. God, after he spoke long ago, after God our Father spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son. For the author of Hebrews, the guy of God, this is the guy that the God of all creation has chosen to speak through about life. The ultimate expression of the words of the living God are given to us through Jesus. That's an intense, that's an intense qualification. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, Holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle, the apostle and high priest of our confession. 
In other words, he's the goat. Jesus is the goat, and there's no debate. There's not a generational debate. Well, in this generation, the goat is LeBron, but in previous generations, the, the, the goat is Michael. Jesus is the goat of goats. He is, he is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. He is the best of all. Uh, and the author of Hebrews is spending 10 chapters to belabor with very intentional argumentation that Jesus is the guy. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. Jesus has become the guarantee, the guarantee of a better covenant. Jesus has become the guarantee. No one else is the guarantee of a better covenant. And better covenant is a better promise of God is is, is the offer of the new covenant that God our Father has for us uh, of abundant life uh, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the guarantor, the guarantee, excuse me, the guarantee of that new covenant. It's Jesus and no one else. It's, again, establishing the credibility of Jesus, anchoring uh, the, the, the veracity of Jesus so that when we run, we can run in freedom. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 to 14. But Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, Jesus has perfected all for all time those who are sanctified. Look, look at the, just the continual elevation, the continual pressing forward for 10 chapters. Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 chapters establishing, sinking, anchoring, the reality and the truth of who Jesus is. This isn't one verse. This is an exhaustive argument that the author of Hebrews is lining out 10 chapters. The 11th chapter, let me give you examples. Let me give you 17 examples of people who have run the race. Chapter 12, let me turn, let me pivot, and now look at you and say, in light of the evidence, 10 chapters of sinking the anchor of Jesus 17 people who've run this race. Now you, now I'm challenging you to run the race that God has marked out for you, fixing your eyes on Jesus. If, if your race is not anchored in Jesus, you're going to be continually all over the place. You're never going to, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. So let me give you two brief observations from Hebrews chapter 1 to 10. Two brief observations from Hebrews chapter 1 to 10 that'll be real relevant for us in what it looks like to establish Jesus as the anchor of our, of our race. The first is this, in Hebrews chapter 1 to 10, the author confronts, uh, the, the author's audience is uh, Jewish people, people that come from a uh, highly Judaistic, highly religious background. And so in Hebrews chapter 1 to 10, the author confronts every bit of Judaism and demonstrates that Jesus is better. Every cultural thing, every religious thing that, that, that Jews exalt the author of Hebrews identifies each one of them and then demonstrates that Jesus is better. So, for example, in the book of Hebrews, it is proven that Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the law. He's better than the Sabbath. He's better than a funny guy, a funny um, uh, sounding guy named Melchizedek. He's greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than every single one of these. The author turns over every stone of Judaism and says, look, these monumental icons of Judaism, Jesus is better than every single one of them. And so we say, what's our takeaway for that in our lives? Our, the, the takeaway is you must confront every icon in your life, in your culture, uh, and declare and believe that Jesus is better 
more fulfilling than every single one of those in your life? Is he more than the pursuit of money? Is he more than title? Is he more than reputation? Is he more than land? Is he more than businesses? Is he more than sex? Is he more than pleasure? Is he more than whatever other cultural icons that you exalt in your life? Ten chapters uh, of one issue after another, one threat after another, one cultural icon after another that has established itself in Judaism as this big deal. And the author of Hebrews says, no, Jesus is better. And so in your life to sink the anchor of Jesus, you must understand and ask the Holy Spirit to make known to you the cultural icons, religious icons, whatever other icons you have in your life that you must believe that Jesus is better than. And so in, in, in the first place, first observation, Hebrews chapter 1 to 10, is to establish Jesus as the anchor of your life against all the cultural and religious icons uh, that, that you may have in, in your life. Jesus is better. Second observation is this. The more that Jesus is, the more, the capital M-O-R-E, the more, the, the better that Jesus is, is not just limited to eternal life. It, it's it's not limited to eternal life. And this is a massive mistake that I encounter in people's lives constantly. A massive mistake that I, I run in people's lives constantly. And it is this, that, that people are very willing to look to Jesus for their eternal life, but they're not so reflexively willing to look to Jesus for their abundant life. And the formula goes like this. It is very clear to me, no matter how arrogant I am, no matter how much I believe about myself, no matter how great I am or my zip code or my blah, 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 I know that, that I can't handle the eternal life equation. I know that as I stand before the gates of heaven, and why, hey, why should I let you in? I know that I'm not qualified, no matter how qualified I am, I'm not qualified enough to get me in. I'm not qualified enough. And so I need to outsource my access to heaven. I need to outsource my access to heaven. And who better to outsource my access to heaven to than Jesus? He's good for eternal life. But abundant life, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at, at providing some quality of life for myself. I'm pretty good at providing some abundant life. I can grind. I can work. I can make a good amount of money uh, that, can, that can buy a good amount of toys a good sized house, a nice looking car, a nice couple cars, a good vacation, whatever it is, um, uh, toys. Uh, and, and so while I'm, 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 while it's easy for me to see that I'm not qualified to access heaven, I need to outsource that. I don't need to outsource my abundant life. I can just do it on my own. The author of Hebrews says, no, the author of Hebrews says, no, you, you don't, you, you don't have it. Jesus lived the fullest, greatest, richest life on planet Earth of any person. And whatever you can do is penance compared to the abundant life that he wants to give you. And that's just the snarly mess of it. Not only does Jesus generously want to bless us with, a, with eternal life, but Jesus wants to bless us with abundant life. Flowy, flowy, graciousness, merciful, kind, and, but to the degree of riches that you couldn't ever have on your own. And it's not something you got to throttle. It's not something you got to earn. It's not something you got to fight for. It's just something you relax back into as you anchor Jesus as the source of your abundant life. And then you just learn. It just flows. It just flows uh, in your life. And so uh, uh, Jesus promises us this. This is the kind of stuff that Jesus talks about. John chapter 7 Verse 37 to 38 is one of those places where Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. 
So if you were to characterize the quality of your life right now, if you were to characterize the interior reality of your life, would you characterize it as one that is experiencing, uh, that is experiencing the flowing of living water from your soul? Do you experience that in your life? That's the promise of Jesus. It's the promise of that's the promise of abundance. My second observation in Hebrews chapter one to ten is that the the Jesus that's exalted in those ten chapters, those ten very powerful chapters, is not just the Jesus of eternal life, but it is the Jesus of it is the Jesus of of abundant life. And so, is Jesus your guy? What kind of competition exists in your heart? to establishing and anchoring Jesus as the guy of guys in your soul. What kind of competition is there? Are you willing today to eschew, to throw off every other person, every other uh, icon, every other um, person that you've lionized and established in your heart and mind as some source of wisdom in some area of life? Are you willing to eschew all of that? Are you willing to throw all of that off and firmly establish Jesus Christ as the source of life for you, as the source of wisdom for you, as the King of kings and Lord of lords uh, in your soul. For when he is your guy, you get to relax back in, big deep breath, and develop in the race that he has, that he wants you to run. When I'm bouncing around, I got Jesus here, I got this guy here, I got that guy there. I, I can never really fully engage in any one person's race because I'm running a whole bunch of different races, a whole bunch of different areas of my life. But when I relax back in and embrace the totality of who Jesus is, and I can just run his race and see and learn how his race affects every single area of my life, then I really get to grow and mature and develop in what it means, in what it means to run his race. The author of Hebrews is very intentional in the work that we need to do to establish Jesus as our guide. 10 chapters, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, 17 testimonies, Hebrews chapter 12. Now you run your race and fix your eyes on Jesus. So when the temptations come throughout the day to feel bad about my race or to, to uh, fear that I'm missing out on other people's races, I can relax back in to Jesus. He is our ace in the hole. He is our guy of guys. I don't care who your guy is. I don't care who your gal is. When we compare them to Jesus, they're going to lose. And so those of us who have fixed our eyes on Jesus and have established him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords can relax back in with confidence and live our lives in the overflow of the reality that we're running the race of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The contentment that flows, the peace that flows, the meaning that flows, the substance that flows is rich upon rich upon rich upon rich that makes you or positions you to, to learn how to live in an, uh, in an undefeatable, unstoppable way. For when I'm running the race of Jesus, who can stop me? When I'm running the race of Jesus, I can't be defeated because the one whose race I'm running has already won. And so I hope this has been helpful for you today as we press into what, it, what does it look like to run God's race. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're going to set him as the anchor of our race. And we're going to launch out in freedom and enjoy the run that God our Father has created for us to run. I hope this has been helpful to you as we learn how to run, how to run in the overflow. Send it out on all your social media channels. Uh, pass it along to your friends on the blog. Uh, on the podcast, on the video, help us out big time. If this uh, content is meaningful to you and you feel led to give, to contribute to what God our Father is doing through Trexo, 
to light kingdom fires and in individuals and organizations to be going and make disciples. If you're impassioned and inflamed by that, I would certainly love any kind of help you could send our way. Uh, that is uh, uh, easy to do on our website, trekso.org. Otherwise, I pray that you will enjoy the rest of your day in the fullness and the overflow of life lived when we focus on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you for joining us in The Overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.